Good evening, Anchorage, Alaska, the lower 48, and the rest of the world. This is Bruce Lindquist with his podcast, Wonderful Counselor. You're about to listen to episode 19, titled, The Rise of the Father of Lies. This is part six of the miniseries, so if you haven't listened to episodes 13 through 18, I encourage you to do so. Once again, if you're willing, close your eyes, unless you're driving, and accept my invitation to enter through that beautiful God-given imagination of yours. You're in a luminous cavern with blue shimmering water playing off the reflection of the ice on the ceiling. Women of all ages who hated to be touched are laughing and hugging each other with tender compassion. Their faces are radiant and they're singing praises and worshiping God with joy. John Elton, a.k.a. Lucifer, was awakened from his nightmare. He was sweating. He hated losing souls. He heard a loud knock at his penthouse door, so he slipped on his fuzzy red slippers, buttoned up his red scarlet silk pajamas, put on his velvet red robe, stopped at the mirror, composing himself. You're a handsome devil, he said, lifting his eyebrow up in admiration to himself. He grabbed a cup of his favorite bitter coffee and looked at his watch. Almost time for the drama to begin, he thought. Another knock. Right on time, he said. As he turned the knob and opened the door, he caught out of the corner of his eye a glimmering of light from the blade slicing through the air and his head lay on the floor. The woman named Ching Vao couldn't believe someone would dare occupy her newly acquired penthouse. She kicked the head away in disgust as the body fell to the floor. She walked over to survey her spoils as her reign as being the new queen of the sex industry has begun. She couldn't believe her ears when she heard a voice behind her. Ching Vao turned, sword at the ready. She saw no one. She heard her name spoken again, Ching Vao. She turned. The voice was coming from the severed head on the floor. She quickly brought down her sword to destroy the head, and it disappeared. Ching Vao, said the voice. She turned, and behind her was a headless man holding his head, and the head was talking and looking at her. You really need to work on your communication skills, said the head. Oh, too dramatic for you? And the headless man put his head back on like it never left. Ching Vao charged the man screaming, demon, in Chinese. The man waved his hand with an invisible force, lifted her off her feet, and pinned her on the massive bed. John then strolled casually over, looked down at her. She looked like she wanted to rip his throat out. You would be dead now, said John, if I didn't have use for you. I'm no threat to your power, but you simply must understand where your power comes from. Demon, she screamed again in Chinese. Prince of demon, actually, god of this world, roaring lion seeking whom I may devour, Lucifer said, mocking her reign. Relax, said Lucifer. You're uptight. Don't you know how you got your ability to deliver those razor-sharp paper cuts to those you tortured? Let me show you. And then two hideous demons came out of her body. They were monstrous. The legends did not give them credit for what an ominous presence they were. Lucifer looked at Ching Vao's eyes. The penthouse is yours when I say it is. And so, you will know who you owe your allegiance to. These demons are going to break your record of a thousand cuts. 
Lucifer looked at the demons, do whatever you want to her, no vital organs are to be touched. And with that, he started to walk out of the room. Ching Vao said, I will not bow to you. Oh, Ching Vao, you will beg me for the opportunity to bow. And with that, Lucifer left the penthouse to the sound of her screaming. The previous night, when Lucifer was having nightmare, Joan was having hers. It was dark. The walls had closed around her on her on every side. She felt pinned, unable to move. She was surrounded by sounds of growling, bloodshot red eyes, and hissing voices saying, Take the knife and stab yourself until you bleed out. Take the pills, all of them. Rip your flesh off your skin. The words felt like that permeated deep into her body and mind. Yet she remained frozen, afraid to move. For if she did, there would be nothing left of her. She then heard another voice, and a memory surfaced. She was a little girl holding a sick kitty and praying to God it would live, and it did. She at that moment dedicated her little life to God, and that little girl found herself in this scary moment saying these words, Jesus. The growling stopped. Red eyes backed away. A light cascaded in her mind, and the shadows disappeared as the sun rose. The oppression of the walls fell. She felt the presence of Jesus. She heard a voice say, Rise. And for the first time in what seemed eternity, she left the prison of her mind and opened her eyes. The voices were gone. She was free. She had called Dr. Lin, and he would be over soon. And Dr. Lin met with the other doctors, who he knew very well, and then met alone with Joan. She at first was hesitant to share her Jesus story, but then she looked into Dr. Lin's eyes. She smiled. You've encountered Jesus too. You have the same spirit. Yes, said Dr. Lin. Your call confirmed my prayer. The doctors reluctantly agreed to release Joan into the care of Dr. Lin. I want to go back to work tomorrow, she said, and Dr. Lin agreed. We will see you at 8.30 a.m. I'm no longer afraid, Joan said. I'm trusting Jesus. I am, said Dr. Lin, too. William picked up John, and after stopping for two bitter cups of coffee, they went to the appointment with Dr. Lin. John informed William to have a seat in the waiting area, and then approached Joan at the reception desk. Hiya, Joan, said John. Joan made direct eye contact. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world, she said. Lucifer said, I was this close. But I'm a good sport, Joan. Oh, Joan, since you're quoting scripture, then you know what it takes to overcome me. You don't? In the last days, they will overcome him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimonies, and they did not love their life even unto death. Are you ready to die for Jesus, Joan? Joan returned with scripture, and he died for all that they who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Lucifer felt like he was back in the wilderness with Jesus, that same Holy Spirit. Will you let Dr. Lin know I'm here? Of course, said Joan. Dr. Lin met Lucifer and ushered him into his office. Dr. Lin, it looked like you got a spirit lift, said Lucifer. Yes, and this is our last session, Lucifer, and I will have fulfilled our agreement. So tell me, Doc, did you really think I was coming here for PTSD treatment? I must admit, it helped. I'll give you that. Although my performance was worth a dozen Oscars. 
Why didn't the appointment? Asked Dr. Lin. Doc, do you know what I'm called? You have lots of names. Let's go with this one. I'm the father of lies, said Lucifer. You have no idea what I shared was true or not, but this is true. Please have Joan invite my associate William in. I did sign a release earlier. William entered the room, and as a trained by the court, he could deliver the documents to Dr. Lynn. Open them, said Lucifer. Well, maybe say a prayer first, Lucifer said sarcastically. Dr. Lynn read the document, and his hands started to shake. They were divorce papers from his wife. You broke a promise to her for years of helping others, but neglecting her, well, she's done. And the icing on the cake, the last straw, was working on Easter week weekend, counseling you-know-who. Me, Lucifer said, smiling. And this is the state of Alaska. She'll get everything. You worked so hard for it, but she's going to end up with it. So that is all the charade was about, said Dr. Lynn. No, said Lucifer. I'm just getting warmed up. You see, she's a very jealous woman, even though you've been faithful. She has accused you of having multiple affairs. Do you know why, Doc? Because she has been unfaithful. She's just projecting her own lack of trust in herself on you. Her latest lover, well, over the last few years, is named Paul, and he's the CEO of the abortion clinic. She has been, let's say, encouraging those who see her in her practice, those less fortunate, to visit Paul. You know, supply and demand. Your building will return to the city, and Paul will expand his abortion business in it. It's all about what they say in the real estate business. Location, location, location. The property is perfect to erect my altar of child sacrifice. Instead of healing, Doc, this will be a place of murder. I will not let this happen, said Dr. Lynn. Well, Doc, your soon-to-be ex-wife, Paul, and the city belong to me. William, bring over those other letters. It's a warrant for your arrest. Well, Doc, it's, it's like this. Your soon-to-be ex-wife wasn't just content in taking her frustrations out through infidelity. She didn't just want you to lose your building. She wanted you to lose your practice. But even that wasn't enough. She wanted to disgrace you so that those you helped over the years would look back with you, and back at you with disgust. William, next envelope. Do you recognize these documents, Dr. Lynn? Where did you get those from? Oh, that wife of yours. When Joan left and went into her coma, your soon-to-be ex-wife went over to her house looking for proof of your infidelity. Maybe, maybe your underwear in her bed. I don't know. But she was open to my idea. Joan has a set of keys and knows all the combinations to the alarm systems, to the files, to the computers, all of it. Last night, she reported finding boxes of confidential documents from your patients in your home. Why, Doc? Just a few would put you in jail. But boxes? You won't see the light of a free day again. Oh, and Doc, you know what happens to men in jail. You won't be lonely. The news of the scandal will break. Your reputation will be shattered. You might as well be dead. And then you can be a ghost and hover around your unfaithful wife and watch her and Paul. That will not happen, said Dr. Lynn. Of course not, said Lucifer. You have his spirit now, but I thought it would be a bit dramatic. Dr. Lynn was in shock. Lucifer turned on the lights and got the paddles out and said, Dr. Lynn, look at my finger. You seem traumatized and laughed. You should have taken the money in the retirement plan, said Lucifer. Come on, William. We have an assembly meeting to go to. Lucifer looked at Dr. Lynn like a mafia boss and said, Nothing personal, Doc. It's just business. As Lucifer was leaving, he said to Joan, 
You better call 911. I believe the doc is going to kill himself, and then left. Joan entered the room, and Dr. Lynn was ghost white and shaking. He, he was so hurt and angry, too hurt and angry to cry. Joan looked at the documents and became his tears. Off in the distance, there were sirens of the police cars. Joan grabbed Dr. Lynn's hand and prayed, Lord Jesus, deliver us from evil. And then the phone rang. Joan picked it up, and the voice on the other end said, Leave now, both of you. Don't look behind. And head out the back door. Go! Joan grabbed Dr. Lynn's hand, and they got up and walked out. Meg was waiting for them when they got in the car. Dr. Lynn was in a state of shock. It was Joan who had been emboldened by the Holy Spirit. Meg explained briefly who she was and that she was sent by an angel to bring them to safety. Meg drove through the streets as police cars passed by her, going to Dr. Lynn's office. Meg headed north and drove a few hours until she came to a private airstrip. She informed both to change out of their clothes and take nothing with them, not even wallets, to include Dr. Lynn's wedding wreath. All went into a metal dumpster, and a truck would pick it up and take it to the dump. Meg explained Lucifer could have placed a tracking device on anything. He must not find the entrance to the Underground Railroad. Both took separate showers and then put on fresh clothes. Meg had brought them. They loaded on the plane, and Meg flew them over the mountains, headed to the Underground Railroad. As a remnant of believers met in churches all over the state of Alaska, as the Holy Spirit was preparing them for what was to come. John, a.k.a. Lucifer, knew Meg would pick up Dr. Lynn. However, when the homing device was found in the dump, he was not pleased. He couldn't find the entrance to that underground railroad anywhere. Lucifer looked at William. You continue to serve me well, and I have a reward for you. And you'll find out tonight at the assembly meeting. In the meantime, let's go get some of your favorite bitter coffee. That night before the meeting, John met with the assembly as a guest of William's. To say they were impressed was an understatement. He had the meeting out of his hand. After all, John knew their language and their hearts. They wanted power, and he was more than willing to give it to them, on their terms, of, on his terms, of course. The opposition had entered the library giving testimonies, and John listened intently, and then spoke to the opposition, and they left the meeting with a strange sense of peace. It's like they'd been heard, and they got exactly what they had hoped for. The assembly members were amazed. John said, for now, let's get to the order of business. And Paul came in with Dr. Lynn's soon-to-be ex-wife Sandy by his side. Here's our business plan. And usually the, the municipality throws so much red tape at a proposal that you would think it's being wrapped for next year's Christmas present. However, all agreed, and the building was leased from the city to Paul for the purposes of expanding abortion services to the state, but also opening up the market to the world. John also discussed with the assembly the chair position that was recently vacated by, let's say, an unfortunate accident. He recommended William, and normally there would be a vote needed by the people. He presented a legal way to just place him in the position. After all, they ran the city, not the people. William thanked the assembly and promised to support their agendas. He also swore his allegiance to Lucifer. John that night left the assembly and went back to his penthouse. The screamings had stopped when he approached Ching Vao. The demons at his command re-entered her. He released her from the bed and she fell at his knees, bowing to his authority. The penthouse is yours. You now may serve as queen. Remember Ching Vao, who is your lord.
I vow my life to not only Lucifer, she said. Even over your uncle, said Lucifer? Yes, even over the honor of my family. Remember the words of your uncle in China. Do not fail me. You know what he will do to you. But that's nothing to what I would do to you. Now enslave this state in your reign. Lucifer headed out to the airport. He was pleased with his work. William would lead the assembly and push the most radical agenda. The opposition was under the influence of a false sense of peace, so the assembly could do whatever they wanted. Ching Vao would enslave so many children and women. And Paul and Sally would ensure more blood was spilled than all of the Old Testament kings who offered their babies to, to Lucifer. Dr. Lin's reputation also was destroyed at the hands of a bitter woman. Oh, how he loved jealousy. Lucifer's plane taxied down the runway. It cleared the mountains, and he headed out of the state. His destination, Washington, D.C., for his rise had just only begun. By now, you may be wondering, why, Bruce, are you spending so much time on Lucifer in your podcast? That's a good question. I'm glad you asked. There is, when it comes to the devil, in the words of an old song by the Stones, sympathy, or in a popular song in the 80s, let's run with the devil. It's like there's value in somehow finding empathy for Satan or value in following him. I wanted to bring out that anything he offers you has a twofold purpose, to support his agenda and eventually destroy you for eternity. Jesus, however, said he came to give you not only life, but abundant life. Tonight you can choose to turn to God, like Joan did, and be delivered from your own self-made prison and the lies of death Satan speaks over you and has taught you to speak over yourself. Tonight you can be set free. Do you choose freedom or captivity? God so values your free will, he gave you, he gave his life to you to give you the choice. Join me for our departure from our mini-series. It's going to be a kid-friendly episode titled, The Man Who Walked Upside Down. Discover a new way of living that will transform your life. Then we will return to the mini-series and see what Lucifer's up to.